Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So I was in the shower, I was cleaning my ass and making all the shirts all sparkly, spanky clean. I'm not the funny one, I'm the pretty one. Cock shots. <laughs> I just checked myself out. The glory hole is like a, a like dick theater. I imagine you're kind of Which means your pants had better come off. Mama needs playtime. Uh, we're not sluts. We just love love. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another week here at By the By. And it is just me. It is just Angela this week. So no Bradford. Sorry. I know you'll miss him. He'll be back next week. But in the meantime, our next pendulum party is April 26th. And it's going to be a really great night. I know we have some folks coming in from out of town. So really looking forward to seeing them again. And yeah, tickets will be on sale at Our Secret Spots website in a few weeks. I'll let you know when that happens and we'll get that out into the ether so you can get your tickets, come along and join us for the next Pendulum Party. So as you know, our 400th episode is upcoming. It is a very big milestone along our journey that we started in 2015 with this podcast, not knowing at all where it was going to take us. Spoiler alert. We will be looking at that journey in our 400th episode, but first, it helps to know where we started. So today's episode is a teaser at 399.5. It takes us back to that beginning in episode one, and then it rolls into number 31 where we came out on the podcast. Listening back to these, we have come so far and have some idea as to what we're doing now. So on the one hand, I apologize for going back back to a time where we had no idea what we were doing and apparently we talked really slowly and then on the other hand well I do like to tease and edge so let's revisit the start together and prep for next week's milestone episode Hello, this is uh, Mr. Adam, and I'm here with... Mrs. Adam. And uh, we're here to start our new podcast, and this is our uh, first first one, so thank you for showing up. Uh, I think we're going to call it By the By, and that's uh, B-Y the B-I, uh, because we both consider ourselves bisexual, and we're trying to give some information and some hints, and I don't know experiences i suppose do you agree absolutely yeah um if you are a podcaster and have heard us maybe on uh swinging down under with cnd that's where we made our uh first podcast appearance we had our podcast cherry popped on their podcast 
<laughs> and it was it was comfortable. It was nice. <laughs> thank you to C and D. It didn't hurt at all. It didn't hurt at all. No, there was no crying. <laughs> no bloodshed. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say that. Let's not go too far. Um, yeah. So uh, here we are, and uh, what we want to talk about is, uh, you know, us, I suppose, and uh, anything that the the world wants us to talk about. Yes. Um, let's jump to a brief history of us. We have been together for three years, three years. Yes. I look at her just cause I'm testing her. I can do math. <laughs> We've been together for three years. We've been married for almost two and, uh, yeah, we've been in an open relationship the entire time. Um, We've both been married before, and when we have, we started dating, we knew that monogamy was not for us. Uh, we both knew that, you know, while we want to be with each other primarily, we also want to be with other people, um, both together and separately, depending on the scenario. So, and we were very honest with each other about that from the beginning, and we've been open from the start, and it has worked very well for us. And I realize it doesn't work for everyone. But it's been good for us. That's important for us to make a point of. There's, it's interesting. I think we both recognize that there is no right or wrong way to do something like this. There is no perfect relationship and there's no right way to do a relationship. There's plenty of wrong ways, I guess, to do a relationship, but there's no right way. It's yeah. whatever works for you. Um, and this is something that works for us very early on in our relationship. I remember us... Um, I, both me and, and you would have dates and we would go out and hook up with people and then we would come back to one another and spend the night together. Um, and I think that sort of established that mentality that, you know, she's my home base. Um, she's who I'm coming home to and it just sort of, that kind of works for us. Um, but yeah, we're, like I said before, we're both, um, openly by um i say openly with maybe some air quotes because we are referring to ourselves as mr and mrs adam not our real names please see note um <laughs> you know if we're it's it's an interesting world in which we live in in which we can sort of be open and free in who we are and we're encouraged by everyone to be open and free in who you are but unfortunately, we're not protected to be open and free in who we are. And I think that's something that we both are sort of concerned with. Um, and there's a lot of judgment out there and a lot of backlash. And, and some of it's okay, but some people take it a little too far sometimes. Some people take everything yeah. a little bit too seriously. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we, um, we decided, at least in the meantime, uh, to go with pseudonyms. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things, again, we, we live in a world in which recently in the States, we've passed, uh, legislation to allow gay marriage. But again, there's no protection against sexuality, uh, in general. So many places you can lose your job if, uh, if they find out that you're gay, lesbian, bi. Yeah. And that's just, uh, it kind of sucks. Uh, Anyone who listens to Swinging Down Under knows where we live, and that happens to be <laughs> Sydney, Australia. Uh, fantastic country, fantastic city, with 
fantastic people. Uh, a nod again to C and D. Um, but as well, uh, gay marriage actually isn't legal yet in uh, Australia, lagging a little bit behind there. Uh, and there is no protection for sexuality um, in, in, in the government. Hopefully Australia will catch up at some point. Yeah. Um, so can always be hopeful. <laughs> always helpful. Um, yeah, so that's that's where we're starting from. Um, I guess a little a little more uh, about us. Um, as uh, Mrs. here has said, we have both been previously married. Um, for me, I was married for quite a while uh, to a nice lady in the states, um, and then ultimately, I think. I'm going to partially blame it on my bisexuality. Uh, we decided that marriage was no longer really uh, for us. <laughs> and and you? I've also been married before for for quite a long time, um, and I won't say at all that it was because of my bisexuality that we broke up. It was, there are a lot of other reasons as, as often happens in relationships and you know, we just kind of grew apart. It's one of those things. And then we're still very good friends, but it's just the partnership wasn't working. And since then I have, uh, hooked up with Mr. Adam here and uh, our partnership is working very well. We complement each other in a lot of ways and including then the bisexuality because we very often play with other people. Uh, like I said previously, either together or separately, but we very much prefer together. And uh, it really kind of, it makes it a lot easier and opens things up when we can talk open and honestly with each other about what we want and what we like and don't like. And that includes, you know, when we, when other people are around as well. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good point that she makes there with the being open and honest. I think that is one thing that all relationships can use a little bit more of. We tend to assume something about our partner, and so we think that uh, we know what they're thinking, um, or we think that if we want something or, or we might be too afraid to ask for something because of what they are going to say without actually knowing what they're going to say. Um, I, think, uh, I think it was Stephen King who said that uh, the scariest thing is a knock at the door. And once you open the door, there's nothing that can be described that is more frightening than what's in your imagination. And I think many relationships are that same way. Is we, we all tend to assume that we know what the, our partners are going to think or our partners are going to say. And that's rarely is it as bad as what we imagine um, what they say is rarely is as bad as what we would imagine they would say or how they might react. I think that seems pretty accurate. Um, as you, again, if you are uh, coming to us through Swinging Down Under, you know that we are also in an open relationship. Swingers, I guess. I don't really like that term. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I hate labels, um, but I but I like to be labeled, if, if that makes sense. So we're still trying to work that, that on... That doesn't make sense, dear. I know, I know. But I'm still trying to work on a label. It, it's frustrating. First world problems, I suppose. <laughs> Hashtags, no problems. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we are in an open relationship. We, um, we, we've got a few partners out there. Um, hello, y'all. Uh, but it's... Um, 
it's it's exciting and it works for us and um we realize that this isn't possibly what what normal is but uh anybody who can give me a perfect definition of normal other than an average of of everybody out there you know feel free to have at it <laughs> yeah um um, so we're going to bring up a few topics that we may may discuss or will discuss, I suppose, in, in, in future podcasts. But just to give you an idea as the type of things that we are interested in and would like to share with you guys, if you have anything in particular you want to hear about, by all means, let us know. Um, we'll get to contact information later. Um, <laughs> but uh, exactly. <laughs> but one of the things that we are going to talk about in, in a future session is, is our first times with the same sex because everybody has those first times and you have the first time with opposite sex, first time with same sex. And, and depending on where you've started out, um, all first times are awkward. I was going to say, is it ever not awkward? And I, no, it's not. It's it's always a bit awkward the first time, no matter what. God, I can't. Like so. The first time I scrambled eggs, it was really uncomfortable <laughs> and awkward. Yeah, that's not a sexual thing. It's, it's like really making scrambled eggs for breakfast. It was it was horrible. It, it was, was horrible. probably really awkward for the eggs yeah, too. God, yeah, yeah. No. yeah. They were. Whew, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's something that we both want to talk about, and we'll talk about that in a in a later one, uh, later podcast. Um, other things we want to touch on are um, the the many 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 apps out there and, and meetup sites and places uh, things such as Grinder and Scruff and Boy Ahoy um, there's not really a good one for ladies but I, I keep thinking you should make one like I don't know Plamster or <laughs> Scissoring <laughs> uh, there's a few I've seen tried for women but nothing as comprehensive and well, well, well put together as, as some of the ones for guys. What up, girls? Get on that. I know. I tell you. Stuff. Yeah, we, the, we'll touch on Blender, which uh, I don't even know if Blender still exists anymore. I guess I should get on my phone and check it out. But uh, yeah, Blender, who, which was, as I understand, was originally made for women and turned into yeah, by the folks that make Grinder, blah, 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 blah. But uh, yeah. We'll exciting. get to all that at we'll some point. We'll get all of that yeah. later. Um. We'll also talk about, at some point, uh, when we knew that heterosexuality wasn't for us. <laughs> um, at, at what point did we decide that um, this expected thing or what the world told us we should do wasn't exactly what we wanted to do? That uh, I think I could, I could go way back and, and touch on childhood and shit. Um, that could be a long time. We may not need to go that far back. Yeah. Long, long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and then uh, other things that I know I would like to talk about at some point um, was coming out. Uh, you know, we are both, uh, I'm going to say generally out. We don't tend to hide who we are or what we're interested in. Um, and I know that I've talked to my parents about, you know, being open and bi and um, my interest in guys, friends, how they responded, um, even workmates and, and people in the workplace and, and how that's what what's changed and what's affected. Um, other things we'll, we'll talk about along the way are things such as uh, the big move from the States to Australia and how uh, bisexuality and, and and being open in an open relationship, how that's changed from, from living in the States to 
living in, in Oz. Um, and what really, I guess that meant for, for us as a couple, I don't know what else. And how it's changed our relationship. Yeah. Yeah, How it's changed our relationship or affected, I guess I should say, maybe not changed, but how it's affected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else? What are I think those are some of the good big topics to start with. That's the big topics. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is admittedly this, uh, we are not professionals. Um, we have lived our own life and lived our own experiences and, and fucked up in so many massive ways. Um, but we we are hoping to gain from this. We're hoping to both learn a little bit more about ourselves. Um, we're hoping to maybe understand a little more about our own sexualities, I suppose. Um, and then, you know, furthermore, help people. I know when I was first dealing with being bi and living in a heteronormative lifestyle and trying to understand myself, I was constantly grasping at straws and grasping at the internet and grasping mm-hmm. at anybody who would talk to me um, uh, about sex and what they were interested in and who they were interested in because I wanted some sort of validation to know that I wasn't alone, to know that that what I was yeah. feeling was normal. I think that's, it's funny because I think that neither one of us <laughs> want to be normal. And I think many of our friends, none of us want to be normal, but at the same time, it's nice to know that you're not alone and how you feel. That there's other people out there that are like-minded and, and yeah, we just really kind of want to share our experiences and the hopes that it, someone out there may benefit from it and it may help them. It may, maybe you'll realize that you're not alone and that there are other people that think similarly to you. Um, hopefully you've, you've got a, an environment in which you do feel like that, but not everyone does. And so, yeah, we're just here to kind of share where we came from and who we are and go from there. Yeah. So this hopefully will be a fun wild ride. Yeah. Um, we're hoping that we have plenty to say and that, uh, we aren't going to bore you to tears. Um, if we do bore you to tears, um, please don't email us and tell us that you're <laughs> bored. Uh, but if you do have questions, comments, or rude remarks, feel free to shoot us an email. Um, currently, and this may change, you can email us at the, T-H-E, Adams of Love at gmail.com. And that is currently where you can find us on the emails. And because he spelled out the for you so nicely, it is the atoms, A-T-O-M-S, of love at gmail.com. That's a very good point. Yes. Yes. She caught me on that. I was I was testing, testing the populace. Uh-huh. Atoms, like, uh, well, because we have molecules tattooed on it. It's complicated. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yes. So the atoms of love at gmail.com or you can follow us at the atoms of love on the Twitter feed and the Twitter verse. We are still really new on there, but we're trying to post pictures and funny things and we're trying to be relevant. It's, uh, it's hard for us cause you know, I'm not going to say we're old, but we ain't young. So, uh, yes, <laughs> we're trying to be exciting on there. And, uh, Hopefully, very soon our website will be up. It'll be www.bythebi. That's b y t h e b i. dot com. dot a u. Because uh, we are in the Australia verse. Um, yeah. So email, Twitter, the website. Um, download our podcasts wherever you download podcasts. And uh, yeah, I guess for now this is going to be a relatively short one. We're going to come in just under the 20 minute mark. So are, yep. are we interesting enough to uh, continue with this on for the future? I guess <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, I guess that's us signing off for now. We'll see you next time. All Thank right. you so much. Thanks for listening. All right. Bye. Bye.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, this is Mrs. Atom. And this is Mr. Atom. And you're listening to us here on By the By. Admittedly, for a second there, I forgot who I was. <laughs> I think in my brain I heard you say Mr. Adam. I'm like, you're not Mr. Adam. I'm Mr. A-. Last time I checked, I wasn't Mr. Adam. Laws. Last time I checked, you weren't Mr. Adam either. Yeah. 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 So tonight is going to be a little different episode compared to normal. Can we say a very special episode? Yes. It's like episode 31, too, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Not 31, too, but 31 as well. Right. Proper grammar. Whatever. It's important. <laughs> yes. So this is something uh, a little different, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. So in this episode, um, we're going to give our coming out stories as far as when we realized we were bisexual, when we kind of made it known out in the world. And the reason we want to do it now is because we talk on the podcast very a lot about being open and honest in your relationships and whatnot. And... Mr. Adam particularly feels as if we're being a bit disingenuous by, I'm going to say, quote-unquote, hiding behind pseudonyms. And um, we'll still use them because, honestly, I'm so used to it at this point. But we do want to just go ahead and let you guys, as our listeners, know who we are and kind of the path that we went down to get where we are. So you're going to get a little bit more backstory. You've probably heard bits and pieces along the way, but now you'll get it all in one go. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, step one. Names. Yes. Hi. Let's, we, we started this again. Hi, everybody. This is Bradford. This is Angela. And you're listening to us here on By the By. Welcome. It's like, it's like ripping yeah. a Band-Aid off. No, no. That wasn't so bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's who I am. Yeah, yeah. No, it's me too. Yeah. Um, no, but... like, and, and you may see... A lot of you, some of you have already met us, so you'll see us, you know, out and about at different events and whatnot, and you'll probably see our faces at some point, and it's fine. We don't care. No, you know, we thought long and hard. We're not going to hide anymore. Pun intended, long and hard. We thought a lot about this, and uh, like Angela just said, you know, for me especially, I I find it's it's one of those things that I want to be true to myself and true to ourselves and also true to the audience. Um, Yeah. And I feel for me, what that means is kind of stop hiding behind the mask and pick up that flag and raise my freak flag high. Your freak flag? My freak flag. Not fruit fly, freak flag. It's different. Anyway. <laughs> Say that five times fast. No, please don't. I can't. Listen, I got so much shit over the last couple of times me trying to beatbox. I am not going to say 
look, people, I beatbox, all right? That's what I do. And if you don't like me, then deal with it. For, fortunately, he doesn't beatbox very often. Or very well. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so here we are. Should we start with your story? Do we want to start with the depressing, sad stuff, or do we want to move in? So i got to be honest. I have not been looking forward to this episode. No. And it's not about coming out. It's not about becoming clean. Well, it is. Well. God, I like to shower. <laughs> um, I also like long baths. Um, it's not about coming out, because that that's not what it's about, or what the negative negativity is about. But for me, I think what it is is... You know, a lot of our friends and a lot of our family and even you have heard bits and pieces of the story Mm -hmm. out of context. But for me, when I tell it all in one arcing story, Mm -hmm. it's really hard to hear, even for me to say it. And I get very upset and very angry and mostly with myself in many points. So I say we do we want to save that? I don't know. Um, So tell me about you (laughs) Um, as I digress. Like, at what point did you say, hey, I like girls? So for me, I I don't know that there, I can't say that there was a one single moment. Um, it was just one of those things that when I was growing up, I didn't really see gender. You know, people were people and, and people that were nice to me and that I liked were my friends and it didn't matter. Um you know, Mr. Adam, you know that I had a, a very good friend in middle school, kind of elementary school, middle school. And it was a female, and we were very close. We were always doing everything together. We would, you know, be together almost every day after school. We would stay the night with each other. We would walk around the playground holding hands. And and I'm going to say ki- other kids would tease us about being gay because we were always together and we were always yeah. holding hands. And, I mean, granted, the one who teased us the most, I found out later, actually had a crush on me. So that probably had a lot to do with it. But <laughs> Was yeah. it a him or a her that it had was a crush a him. on you? Okay, it yeah. was a him. But it was also one of those things that, you know, the way I was raised, I was always told, directly or indirectly, that, you know, you get married and you have kids and you go through the whole, quote-unquote, normal path. And so I always, in my head, thought that I was supposed to be with boys and I'm Mm -hmm. going to marry a guy. And so it never really occurred to me that I could have a relationship with a female. Um, but I had, you know, some of my best friends were females and I was always attracted to both males and females. There were people of both sexes that I very much looked up to and admired, lusted after. Um, it didn't matter to me. And so I would say from a very young age, it just, I didn't care one way or the other, but I also didn't act on it because it it was not expected of me. I would always go along with what people thought, particularly, you know, parents and elders and in general society. And so it wasn't until well, college, which is very cliche, but college when I felt a little freer in which to act on anything or to explore at all. And at the time I was married, but my husband was... a a little more accepting and you know he he was not as from not as conservative of a background as I was and so I could you kind of play a little bit and start exploring but I wouldn't say that I myself identified as bisexual or really thought I could have a relationship with a female until I was probably my early 30s maybe 30 31 something like that 
And it was just, you know, after I went through a succession of relationships and I finally took some time to say, you know, I had two failed marriages and I finally took time to explore myself and say, okay, this obviously isn't working out. Who am I? What do I want from life? What do I want from myself? What do I enjoy? And that's when, when I took the time to slow down, take a step back, not think about what everybody else wanted from me, but what I wanted for myself is when I kind of started to actually realize that this is something that I, I want and I need. And that's when I kind of, I started acting on it more and I started feeling like it was more okay for me to be attracted to females and to act on that in the right scenarios. But it took a long time for me to get there. And it, it I won't say that I ever really denied myself of anything. It's just that I didn't realize it was an option and that it was okay until yeah. I finally took a break and, and just, you know, kind of let myself go and just let myself accept the fact that I'm not going to be able to please everyone. It doesn't matter what society, what people around me want. What do I need to make myself happy? And that's when I kind of worked through and was, was better able to accept who, what it was and, and identify. I would say identifying was the first step. So in those early days, how did you identify? Like those early 30s when you were, mm-hmm. you were rediscovering yourself, what did you do to sort of help yourself self-actualize and self-identify? Well, at that point, and I mean, this isn't going to be the path I'm going to say out there for most people because it's not plausible for most people. But at that point, I was splitting up from second husband. And part of that, because we had a lot of joint friends, I separated myself from a lot of our friends. And it was basically, you don't accept me and one of my very good female friends, um, you know, that I, there was a rift and I basically was not going to let her go by the wayside because I'd been friends with her for a long time and we we're very good friends. Mm-hmm. And it was like, this friendship is more important to me than the rest of you. And sadly, even my husband at the time. And so I left a lot of my friends behind, so-called friends. I mean, I would mm-hmm. say now mm-hmm. they weren't actually my friends, but, um, but I left a lot of them behind and I separated myself from them. And I was very much alone for a little while until I made new friends that would accept me. But at that point, you know, I I had the one female friend that I, of course, hung out with a lot. Um, And I'm okay being on my own. And I because I I will go out and I will meet people, I will make an effort. And so that's what I did was I just started, you know, going out and doing things that I enjoyed and meeting people that enjoy the same type of thing. But I made a point that when I met new people, I was very honest with them from the beginning. I was very open. I mean, not just like, hey, guys, you know, but still, <laughs> if, if the questions were asked, if anything, you know, I was I'd made it a point to be very true to myself and true with them. And if they didn't like that, if they didn't accept it, then that's fine. They could go on. I, I was at that point, I was beyond wanting to to fake myself to have a friend. I'd only wanted friends who actually accepted me for who I was. So it was a little lonely there for a bit. You know, I didn't have a lot of friends for a time, but but then I was able to rebuild and find people who actually accepted me for who I was and didn't care. So did you date women? No, I didn't really date anyone. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, I, I at the time I just I didn't want a serious relationship because right. I wanted that time to to explore and be comfortable and just I didn't think I wanted a serious relationship for a very long time and so it was more just casual hookups um I would say it was probably 75% men with the occasional female but I, I didn't date anyone male or female yeah yeah next (laughs) <laughs> no, I was, I was trying to formulate another question in my head, and I had one, but it, it seems to be floating away. I mean, um, so a, like, d- did you have you have you come out to your parents? So my family is not very big on. I'm gonna say talking. <laughs> um, they're not not big on on talking and direct conversations. That that's hard in my family, and so I've never said to my parents that, "Hey, I am bisexual." Now, my mom knows from actions and from other conversations that we've had. Um, I, I'm gonna throw you under the bus here and say that. We had you and another couple friends over one year for a Thanksgiving dinner. Yes. When, it was my first Thanksgiving as a single man. Yes. And we were just hooking up at the time, not dating at all. Yeah, we only hadn't about a few even, months. I was going to say, we hadn't mm. even been hooking up that long. But when I, you know, my mom, I remember when we were talking about, you know, hey, do you mind if these people come to Thanksgiving? They don't have family around. She said, absolutely, sure, not a problem. And then she said, well, how do you know them? And, of course, I knew you all from work, and I made the comment that it was your first Thanksgiving alone and that, you know, you and your wife had just broken up. And somehow things led, one thing led to another, and and I made the comment, somehow came up, like, why you split up. And I said that you were bisexual Mm -hmm. and that, you know, that's what ultimately kind of brought the end to the relationship. And so then, of course, after we start dating, it's like, well, you know, <laughs> there you go. Um, but it, it, so I would say that she knows from from conversations we've had and from other things, but it's never been directly said. Um, my my brother knows, of course, because he came in and stayed with us. And very <laughs> first thing when he came and stayed with us was we have pants on and pants off friends. Yeah, And at that one point great. during his visit, I was in the bathtub with one of our female partners. <laughs> yeah. So I remember him coming in and going, Hey, where's Angela? In the bathtub. Oh. Where's the other lady? In the bathtub. Oh. There's two bathtubs? Nope. Oh. I'm gonna go read. <laughs> he gets that look on his face for a second, you know, where he's processing and then the light Bulb comes on, and felt yeah, so bad for him that day. That was awesome. Yeah, that's that's more how my family is. It's it's those kind of subtle things. And then everybody puts the pieces together, and oh, okay, yeah. you know, sure. <laughs> so I mean, it's poor boy. Know, yeah, it's it's more tacit and passive acceptance than actual, you know, anything right, right. direct. Yeah. Which is funny because I do tend to be a direct person. You just are. Not You're with really direct. It's just funny because there's, yeah. I, I mean, I get it because there's no real reason to tell them. I mean, it's not like you're, you know, you're you're not dating a woman. You're not, there's right. no, act like, strong, compelling reason to say, hey, I'm bisexual. Well, and also with my family, too, they they very much... I'm not going to say they expect the unexpected with me, but when I do things that are a bit outside the norm... It's not surprising. It's not surprising, and they just kind of shrug their shoulders and, huh, ah, okay, you know, that's... She's going to do what she wants to. It doesn't 
matter what we think or say. So yeah. it just, you know, it just is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't think of another clever question. I was yeah. trying to be all interviewer uh-huh. thing and, and ask the questions that the people might be asking. Right. I'm sure there's people screaming into their headphones at this point saying, ask this. I'm sure. And, I, and if you, I can't hear you. And if you do have questions later, please feel free to email or send us messages. And yeah. So. You know, it's, it's one of those things that I think the one consistent thing about coming out stories is everybody's is different. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody starts it differently. Everybody has that journey along the line is different and everyone's outcome is different. And I think, you know, I look at yours and, and say, you know, that's a, that's actually, it's a really positive experience. You know, you've not really, your parents didn't, I guess I get the same point though. You didn't really come out and say explicitly so they can sort of ignore what they don't want to address. Yes. And Um, that's how my family is much more so. It's stick your head in the sand kind of response. Yeah. If you don't acknowledge it, then... It doesn't exist. It may exist, but, but you know, it doesn't exist in their world, so it's okay. Yeah. So do you think... So we're going back to the States. Do you mm-hmm. think it'll come up more with your dad when we're there? I think Because we're going to spend I some time with him. I think it will because we're going to spend more time with him, and I, I, I think it will. I think just by nature of... You know, the, the time that we're spending with him and, and whatnot, I think it will come up probably a bit more. Mm-hmm. So I think that'll be interesting um, to, to see how that goes. I'm kind of curious. Sure. I'm actually almost looking forward to it because I feel like because now although he, he's conservative, I, he's... He's accepting. Yeah, he's yeah. intelligently conservative. Right. There's, you know, those conservative people who just preach at you. Mm-hmm. And then there's... I, I find that what little time I've spent with him, that he's one of those people that is a little more, I don't know, he he seems to be a good listener. Right. He may not understand, but he listens. Right. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So, yeah. So, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. Um, but there are times that, you know, even up until now in my life with, with him in particular, if I say something or do something that he doesn't necessarily agree with, he just gets this one particular look on his face and, and his lips go in that flat line. And you can tell that he doesn't approve, but he has to accept it. Because I'm his daughter, and he's not going to disown me. Right, right. So, <laughs> which I'm very lucky for, because that, not everyone's that lucky. Not everybody's that lucky. No. I mean, the fact that he won't disown you, you know, yeah. that's a, <laughs> you know, saying something. You know, yeah. and I think that's a, a. And I know he doesn't approve, and I also don't flaunt it or flash it in his face, right. which is probably one of the reasons why I've never actually said, "Hey, guess what?" Yeah. You know, because I don't, I don't find it necessary. It's if it's not an important part of our relationship. You know, it doesn't affect my relationship with him. Right. And, you know, I, I don't see the need to really shove it in his face and, you know, put something out there that I know he's not going to necessarily agree with. There's no point. There's no point in starting a fight. Yeah. No, there's I appreciate no, that. There's no good outcome from it. No reason to. Yeah. For me. Should we move to your story? Because yours is a, a little more convoluted. It is. <laughs> sure. Why not? Uh when do you would you say that you first started having inklings that you liked guys? I am gonna say that I was somewhere between the ages of three and five when I knew I wasn't like everyone else. What brought that on? Um, I remember taking naps and as a child taking naps um, and having fantasies of 
something going into my ass as a child. Now, I was also diabetic, so I was used to getting shots. And where's the best place to give a shot on a child is in the bum. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know if it was that, but I really remember those vivid fantasies as I'm falling asleep um, of some sort of anal penetration. And I don't think I was kidnapped by aliens, but I have no proof of that. (laughs) The truth is out there. Sorry. <laughs> that was my poor attempt as a X-Files theme. We'll fix that in post. I was going to say, maybe we need to go back and uh, redo that part. <laughs> Aww. Aww. Um, yeah, so that's, I think, three to five. That was my, I think, the age at which I really was like, oh, yes, I feel different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I remember my first crush, and I should have reviewed the timeline on this to realize when that was, but there was a television show. If you're from the States, you're going to know what this is. Um, But there was a show on Nickelodeon called Clarissa Explains It All. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was Melissa Joan Hart's first, like, big break role. And she's probably six years older than me. Um, And so... It was this show, and I remember seeing her and going, oh, my God, she's beautiful, Um, which is funny because it's not really my type now, Mm -hmm. except for the big eyes and quick smile kind of thing. But she's blonde. Anyway, no one's perfect. Um, But then she had this boy that would always crawl in through her window, and I can't remember his name. starts with a C. Anyway, not important. Um, And I remember as a young child thinking, I wish he would crawl through my window. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I had this massive crush on both of them at the same time. And I can remember when I had this crush, I didn't see it like you and your girlfriend at school, your mm-hmm. little female friend at school. Um, I didn't see any problem with it. Right. It was just that's just how I felt. Um, and I, admittedly, I don't remember at what point in life that that switched and that I started thinking that the liking him was wrong, but liking her was OK. Um, but I feel confident it had something to do with growing up in the South, um, you know, just outside external pressures. Um, because that's what society tells you it should be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, I never, I never talked to anybody about it. I never told anybody about it. Um, but yeah, but I knew that I shouldn't tell anybody about it because I didn't want to be ostracized. So, yeah. Um, did your parents ever, did you have discussions with them over sexuality at all? Oh, gosh, no. Okay. Um, so I remember, you know, I, I want to make it very clear. My parents have been amazing um, and have always been supportive of no matter how foolish of a decision I make or whatnot. There, it's always been my mistakes to make. But, you know, my I remember my dad, uh, at one point I was supposed to be going out with my cousin, who is older than I, um, and her best friend was gay. Um, and I remember we were all going to a movie and my dad sort of had a, one of those freak out moments where I wasn't allowed to go out with them because of my cousin's gay friend. He didn't want my cousin's gay friend to be the one that takes me to the bathroom, you know, cause mm-hmm. I was probably maybe seven or eight at the time. And so, you know, my dad had that, which I, I'm not going to, it's not, I don't hold it against him. Um, I think it's a lack of understanding. It was a lot, it was that ignorance. Yeah. Yeah. He had, he wasn't, it was a situation in which he was uncomfortable because he was unfamiliar. Um, 
he is now a completely different person. Mm-hmm. But at the time, it really upset him. Um, and he didn't want to be part of that. And so my cousin and my dad got into this huge fight. And I remember sitting on the stairs hearing hearing this. And I think that sort of affected me. I think that's one of those things that was like that sort of pushed that re- part of that repression is, you know, about the same time that I was noticing, you know, Clarissa and her bow that climbed in through the window. You know, I hear my dad kind of having a meltdown over me going with a, a, a gay male um, and how that's not going to happen. That mm-hmm. It was just not on the cards. And so they went to the movies and I stayed home. And, you know, memory is a is a murky pool. Mm-hmm. So I don't really remember who told me we weren't, I wasn't allowed to go or why I wasn't allowed to go. Although I knew I was, I know I was there and I heard mm-hmm. why. Um, so, yeah, that was... I think those are sort of those two like formative things that I really remember um, before it became something, which by that time I was in my late teens, early 20s. Um, you know, you we do so well at repressing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Um, but, you know, from that early age, from those that 7 to 17 age, you know, very quickly I've fell in love with musical theater. I uh, took voice lessons. I sang with a falsetto until I was, gosh, I was 16, 17. Mm-hmm. I was professionally trained to sing uh, as a, you know, God, I think I was 16, still singing mezzo-soprano without any issues at all. Um, I don't know what it's called. It's falsetto, but anyway, a long time ago. Uh, but, you know, growing up, I remember doing performing arts for the school. Um, those things that stick in your brain. Uh, I sang Raindrop, um, favorite things mm-hmm. from Sound of Music uh, for a Christmas thing, and I was sixteen. Uh, st- of course, did it in the falsetto. Uh, started the song halfway through the first line. Um, someone, and I still remember his name. Unfortunately for him, uh, from the crowd screamed out, "Fag." Just because I sang right. and was singing from musical theater and was singing with falsetto. Uh, and that was sort of that beginning of those things that triggered for me to give up music. Um, you know, and again, I look back at it now. Yeah. I look back at it now and I'm like, oh, you know, why did I let this? I mean, the guy's now of no importance at all. Yeah. Um, you know, why did I let him shape the formative years? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you can't. Uh, you can't go back to the, the history is written yeah. in permanent ink. Yeah. So it's not, there's not much I can do about it now, but I wish I could still go back and tell, talk to 15 year old Bradford. I joke about that a lot. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's rough, but you know, from, from that, from the musical theater and from the singing, you know, I always knew I didn't fit in mm-hmm. and, and not in from a, I don't look at it from a negative way, but I think it's, it is a lot different for, men and boys than it is for women. Mm-hmm. Um, like you and I often talk, you know, sexual fluidity is fine for women. At least it was in our age group, but and maybe different now. I'd love to talk to a, yeah. a 14 to 18 year old now, you know, to it's, see how comfortable they are. Yeah. It's definitely a lot more acceptable for women to be fluid than for men. Yeah. Um, you know, especially for people our age group, even, yeah. um, you go to a swinger club and you see that, mm-hmm. um, and it's sad, but, you know, it is what it is. Wine top off. Yeah, Mr. Adams taking a moment to pour some more wine. I need to drink, folks. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, so 
when I was 11, I built my first computer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, I guess it was. Holy shit balls. Nerd alert. And what did um, you do with said computer? Oh, well, I looked at porn. <laughs> by the time I was 11. <laughs> like all good 11-year-olds do. By the time I was 11 in one month, I was downloading porn from the message board. Back then, we didn't have the internet. We mm-hmm. had message boards. Um, but, you know, from an early age, watching porn and looking at porn, I remember looking at both the male and the female and going, whoa, this is amazing. Um, and, you know, not knowing the experience that a lot of other young men have with porn, uh, for me, I wasn't, like, trying to put myself in the place of the man and thus, you know, having sex with a woman. I was looking at the whole, in the, not the whole, but the whole, <laughs> all of it, and thinking, oh, well, this kind of, both sides are amazing. You know, you often say that you, there's beauty in, in the female and the male form. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was seeing. I was seeing this, like, I was having this lust for both the female and the male. Uh, but again, knowing that from from growing up, I'm looking at this from 11 to 15, maybe I'm starting my porn career, um, knowing there was something wrong mm-hmm. that, and I say wrong, and I guess we should, probably should go back and re-record a, a predecessor or an opening for this, saying that you know these are our experiences and how we felt, not what we think. Um, but it was very—I I was, I thought I was wrong. I thought mm-hmm. there was something from the core wrong with me. And I remember feeling that way at about 13 or 14, that there's—I'm broken. Um, yeah, and I think at about— 15 was that first time that I really strongly considered suicide. Um, because at that time I thought, Oh, this is my only, my only out. Um, and I can remember at being diabetic, suicide was easy. All I had to do is inject myself with a little bit of insulin and it was a relatively easy way to go. Um, and I can remember drawing the insulin up and sitting on the bathtub with a needle full of insulin and just thinking all I have to do, it's, it's easy. It's a, five seconds and it's going to be over. And it was, I did that a lot. I think I, from 15 to probably pushing 20, I probably did that every six weeks. And then at the end I would chicken out because of Catholic upbringing and, uh, that fear of of the unknown and the beyond. Uh, and I would put the insulin back in the bottle and put the bottle back in the fridge. I did that a lot. Um, yeah. Well, I'm glad you're a chicken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't like being a chicken, but I guess in, in that case, you know, it's... <sighs> so then what what switched for you and took you from thinking that it was wrong and, you, you know, that, that your only option was suicide? What then switched and made you... At what point did you start acting on it? Um... So part of, part of being, and again, this is for me, part of being suicidal was being a chameleon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you are constantly miserable or constantly second guessing yourself at least. And you are, um, I was very good from a very early age at getting people to like me. Um, and so I think that sort of carried on into adulthood. I know, I know what people expect and I know what people want and I can put on that face and then I can be that person. So I was that person for a very long time. And let's fast forward to the first 
male experiences I started having while I was a certain person, this chameleon person, um, on the surface, there was that dark underbelly, um, where I would be on Yahoo chats and you know, this, again, this is pre grinder pre all these phone apps, you know, the way you met people was through things like Craigslist, mm-hmm. um, and Yahoo groups, you know, so Yahoo had the chat rooms, you could play chess with people. And I, I'm a big fan of chess. So I would go into the gay chat rooms and I would play chess with some of the men. And so you're playing chess and then, you know, in my foolish, and I guess at this point I'd been married for four or five years, um, actually it's maybe four years, you know, I would be on the, in these chat rooms and, and playing chess with these guys and talking to them. And I don't know, that's, that, those were those first interactions. And then it's, it's funny because I always compare it to like CSI and you always see those things on CSI where they're like, well, the first thing a serial killer does is torment animals. <laughs> and then once they torment the animals, they move to small children and then they move to adults and then they kill and kill and kill. I mean, it was, it was really that growth kind of thing. You know, I started out in chat rooms playing chess. Then I would go to the chat rooms and we would skip the chess and we would just kind of sext back and forth. And then it was, let's trade a few pictures via Yahoo or Hotmail. I bet that took a while. <laughs> yup. <laughs> you know, because you would take a Wait picture. For it. You would take a picture. You would go it. put it in your computer. <laughs> you would download it. You would upload it. You, I mean, it was crazy. Um, the amount of effort I would go through, and I was, I was lucky at the time that my wife worked on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. She worked, you know, her days off were Sunday, Monday, and she worked on Saturdays. So I would. That's what I would do on Saturday. All of Saturday from about 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., I'd be spent online talking to, to men. Um, and then at one point, as things always do, escalate, um, a guy asked me to if I wanted to meet face-to-face. And I'd been chatting with him. And it's so funny because I remember it now, and it's just like it's not a big deal. But at the time, this was one of those things that, you know, I we had text, so I texted him the day we had said we were going to meet, and the response I got back was, "Oh, I actually forgot we were going to meet, but yeah, come on over." You know, mm-hmm. that right there tells you about how good the day was going to go. <laughs> um, and I made it over to his house, and it's just funny. You know, he gave me a tour of his house, um, and of course, it ended in the bedroom. And I remember that the bedroom above the headboard, there was probably fourteen different crosses and it was beautiful I mean you look at this this bed and above it are all these different crosses and me growing up Catholic you know it's like that really like, helps with the Catholic se- guilt yeah I mean like seriously <laughs> could this have gone any worse yeah you know, it's like we're basically having sex on an altar <laughs> like, um but you know and I remember starting out I was so nervous I was literally shaking mm-hmm. not figuratively shaking I was literally shaking and he asked me twice is everything okay uh-huh. Um, so yes, yes, yes. And of course I didn't come. And of course, you know, I, I actually faked an orgasm just to cool it, calm him down. Cause at that time in life, I thought I wanted to be a top. Um, Oh, how the days have changed. The tides have turned. How the tides have turned. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was my first time with a guy and it was probably horrific, mm-hmm. uh, looking back on it. Um, 
Yeah. So that was that was when it when uh, escalated. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> where did where did you go from there? Did you because the first time was so terrible? Did you then take a break for a while and say maybe this isn't what I want, or did you? keep going and and just take the bull by the horns with it nope i took a break um i thought well this is wrong and you know those typical things that you think oh well this is wrong of course it's bad you are a bad person for doing this Mm -hmm. um you know this is that's normal kind of stuff um that that you think it's bad because you're bad um and you're bad because you're doing bad things Mm -hmm. and etc etc um so then I would drive by from work every day a place called the Purple Onion. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Purple Onion was an adult store um, that I had been into once just to pick up some wank magazine kind of thing. Um, but they had video booths, and they had um, six video booths in the back. And uh, I think somewhere still I still have a coin. I, I would love to find that coin because <laughs> I'd probably fucking frame it now. Um but I went into one of the booths, and, of course, they have glory holes. And that was the first glory hole experience. Um, so you go into this booth, which, honestly, there are porta johns that are cleaner than, than this booth. Oh. Yeah, imagine, you know, months of semen Lovely. that have just sticky. The floors were sticky. You know, there were no... There were no um, stools. You would have to squat or sit on the floor. Yeah. It was... Horrific. Yeah. Um, and I remember going into that room and starting to close the door. And, well, I, no, I closed the door, and um, not, not a few minutes later, somebody knocked on the door. And I was like, I have no idea what this means. So I cracked the door open, and it was this beautiful Adonis of a black man. And he goes, do, do you want company? And... It's so funny because it goes back to those things where you're you start flying on autopilot, and inside I'm going no, and and <laughs> how did I respond? Yes, please. Um, and then he came in, and we you know it's like mutual oral, and it was just kind of amazing. Um, and I was horrific because this is you know probably the second time I've ever been with a man. Um, and but yeah, he was just like wow, this is I was like oh my gosh, this is amazing. Um, and it is one of those moments that in this nasty, dirty, disgusting place was that moment of, oh, this is, this is, there was connection, mm-hmm. which there wasn't, but this was my brain, you know, tricking me. Um, but it was amazing. And so then I started going there once every eight weeks, but it was one of those things that it always happened the same way. I can't tell you in, in eight weeks, I would pull into that parking lot and sit there for 45 minutes trying to build up the courage to go inside and most of those times I would bail out um, and then the whole drive home I'm thinking you're such a coward you know you have no value there's you deserve this this is what you you you're building you know you're building a house of straw um, and you have again it was that no value I was constantly looking at myself and I would look at myself in the mirror and say you have no value uh you know, and at this point in in my marriage, you know, I I would not, I will not, and will not say anything bad about my ex wife, um, because I think a lot of the problems came from me, and and I would project onto her. But I know one of the things she didn't like was kissing, mm-hmm. and you know, it's just like 
I don't know why, but it was we didn't kiss anymore. And so I saw that as, again, we didn't kiss because there was a problem with me. Um, and so, yeah. that it, And like we've heard in the previous podcast, you're a very touchy person. Yeah, and you and need I needed that, that. To, feel, to feel valued, yeah. So I was consistently feeling less and less valued. And, you know, of course I wasn't an adult enough to talk to her about it or talk to anyone about it. So I, I spoke to no one. So again, back to chameleon, everybody, if you talk to anybody that knew us at the time, we had the perfect marriage. I was the perfect husband. You know, I was the best friend. I was exactly what I was supposed to be because I made damn well sure that that's what I was. Mm-hmm. I, I lived my life as a movie and I made sure that Everybody who knew me, you know, I was I was getting the Academy Award for what I was supposed to be. So no one knew that you were seeing guys that you were doing no. this on the side. No one. No. The so about this time as well, I met a guy that became my first regular guy, mm-hmm. and he lived an hour and fifteen minutes away. So she would get up and go to work on Saturdays, and I would get up. Shortly after she left, she had to be at work at 10. I'd be up at, you know, 10, uh, shower, drive down to his place. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would get to his place around 1130, spend four hours with him, and then come back. Um, and did that probably every weekend for, I don't know, however long we lived in that apartment. So maybe two years. Um, yeah. Uh, and, you know, every weekend it was the exact same thing. Driving down there, I was excited. I can't wait. This is going to be so much fun. And driving back was an hour and 15 minutes of always silence. I never even, you know me in the radio. The radio is always on. But I always drove back in silence. And it was me, again, feeling dirty, hating myself. You know, what you're doing is wrong. You have, again, you have no value. You're worthless was constantly a word that I would say. Um yeah. So where did it go from there? How did, at what point did this stop and did you start to accept anything? What happened in between? Um, was there a lot more or did, would it, no, what was, it was the turning point? It was a lot of the same of that. Um, so about within the next three years, the only thing that really pops up that I really remember was meeting this poor guy. There was a a cruisy spot in a park. We moved to a different house. Um, it was so that that guy was now two hours away. So I didn't see him nearly as often. In fact, very rarely. Um, but we moved to the other side of town. Um, and there was a cruisy park near there. And I remember walking through the park where you would cruise guys, um, and talking to this guy. And we ended up, I ended up going down on him in the park and he was freaking out because of who might catch us, who might see it. I said, well, you can come over to our place, but, you know, it's got to be quick. So he drove, he followed me back to our place, went in. I mean, it was one of those, I sat him on the couch, I blew him, he came, and he left. Mm-hmm. And then that was that was the first time that that happened that I was like, I, this isn't wrong. You know what? It, this is who I am. It's not wrong. I'm going to go mow the lawn. And so I know, right. But so I went outside to mow the lawn and there was a pen that had fallen out of his car and I picked it up and the pen was La Petite Academy, which was a nursery, nursery school. 
And I remember staring at the standing in the driveway, staring at the school. And all those feelings of worthlessness came back because I was like, this guy has a wife, has a kid, at least one child at this mm-hmm. Lopti, whatever. Um, you know, I don't know that for sure. Right. You know, that was just some random pen that fell out of this car. But again, for me, that was sort of a, a sign, you know, like this. And then it all came rushing back. I'm bad. I'm whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we ended up up and moving to the new job uh, out of state, and now I'm traveling all the time. Mm-hmm. So traveling all the time makes it a lot easier. And at this time, Grinder was invented. Within this time, Grinder was invented. And so that's when it changed for me. That's when suddenly I started, it's like, you know what? If I'm going to hate myself, I might as well enjoy, you know, a few hours a week, you know, and you know, I, I really, I, I think a lot about this still really. Um, but you know, I, when I say I hated myself, I really did hate myself, which is still, that's a hard thing to come back from. Um, and I still feel that occasionally it'll come back. There's that, there's that swirling pit that's in your chest and you know that, that what that is. We've had therapy over this, you know, yeah. that's, that's, it's just you know, for those out there, when you have this, it's, I, I always imagine it as a black hole that starts somewhere under my sternum and it's it's constantly pulling me in and there's a, it is a a violent swirl of little value um but i can remember my ex-wife and i both were on the same itunes account of course because it was cheaper um i would download grinder and i would inst- i would wait to download things like this until she was in the shower cuz then i could go get her phone <laughs> and delete it from her phone so that she didn't see it pop up on her phone um I often wonder if she ever went through like, oh, I thought I bought this app and then goes through the and apps sees and sees. The and then yeah. along the list, she's like, well, I don't remember buying at the same time Grinder, Scruff, Boy Ahoy. You know, like, <laughs> always, I still wonder that. I'd love to be able to ask her, but I don't think that'll ever happen. Hmm. But, you know, I was traveling all the time and hotels and bar, hotel bars are a great place to meet people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, in four years of doing that, six years of doing that, I guess. Um, the number of times I was either picked up or got or picked someone up from a bar or the number of times you would go to your room and you'd get dressed down and get in bed and open grinder and see that somebody was either the floor above you or, you know, two floors below you. Or at one point the dude was literally across the hall. (laughs) Um, and you would just, that was it, the quick hookups. Just can't get any easier than that. No, you really can't. Yeah. And so, you know, I remember I had great experiences. I remember being in um, uh, Miami, basically Miami, Florida. I'm not Miami, um, Tampa, Florida. I was in Tampa, and um, I went to their red light district, basically, to find a, a, a place with, with booths with glory holes. And hooked up with this guy in there and then afterwards he was like hey do you want to you know do you want a tour of around the area i'm like yeah sure so he i hopped in his car and we drove around he's like this is where you get the prostitutes and this is where the the men are and you know he was bisexual Mm -hmm. and he was showing me all the areas i was like oh this is great and he was such a wonderful guy and then he dropped me off in my car and he's like well it was a lot of fun you know and that's when it for me it started becoming normal i was meeting people that you know, didn't hide it. They were proud of who they were. And that's nice people, nice, good people. They just happened to like to hook up in, in, you know, 
bathrooms or, or video booths or meet you on Grinder, mm-hmm. you know, and the vast majority of us were married and yeah. Um, just your normal everyday people. Yeah, they really were. Yeah. They were, they were definitely normal everyday people. Mm-hmm. So that leads us to Toronto, yes. <laughs> which I know, you know, all of this, I think our listeners know some of this, but I met this guy, you know, who I was, I remember going to the bar and I was by myself. Um, and he came down with a large group of workmates, um, and they all had drinks. And this was a time where I was spending months. I I think I spent four months in Toronto. Um, and the next, next couple of nights they came down, it was a smaller group the next couple of nights it came down as a smaller group. And I think at one point there was maybe four of them and they, somebody said a joke. I laughed and then they noticed I laughed and they were like, Oh my gosh, you're here every night. Come over and sit with us. So I came over and sat with them. And then the next night, um, it was just him and him and I sat at the bar and we just sat at the bar and talked. And it was one of those wonderful things. And, you know, I really, really liked him and, you know, I was holding it in, so he, of course I didn't want him to know that I thought he was there was he was amazing. And um, I think it was the next night he was like, you know, what's your room look like or something? I don't remember. It was something cheesy. Anyway, he, we went up to the room and it was just a, a little mutual oral, and it was great. And we set a date to have dinner the next night. Um, and I liked him enough that I was like, I want to be honest with this guy. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I ever wanted to be honest with somebody. Um, and we had dinner and I said, look, I want to be a hundred percent honest with you. I'm married. And he said, that's okay. I have a girlfriend. And we both kind of laughed and then was like, all right, cool. And so I think that was the time we started dating. Um, and you know, there was a, that, uh, those odd times he would spend the night with me and um but yeah I absolutely I mean I, that was he was sort of that beginning of the end he was that catalyst mm-hmm. that I needed because it was the first time I'd ever truly understood what chemistry was I think you know you see chemistry in the movies and for the longest time I thought that only happened in movies like you know what you and I have I didn't think that was really what really what people actually experienced um, so, so, um, I remember at one point, you know, after he and I had been seeing each other for a long time and I would go home and see my wife and, uh, you know, she and I had a, a very wonderful cordial relationship, but that was basically it. Um, I remember being in Toronto and, and in the hotel and somewhere around 10 o'clock at night and I had he had to cancel on me for some reason and he had had to cancel on me for some reasons before multiple times um, and I was starting to feel that very typical alone trapped kind of feeling and I remember sitting out on the balcony and you know I think I was on the fifth floor third floor fifth floor I'm pretty sure it was the fifth floor and I remember, I actually, and for me, I'm terrified of heights. Um, but I remember s- climbing up and sitting on the banister for the balcony. And I had my leg, I was sitting with my back 
into the open space and I had my foot kind of caught in the in the railing and I just kept telling myself it's gonna be quick you know how long then I was thinking how long does it take to fall from the fifth floor to the ground um you know, and I was going through the math of terminal velocity, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I was fucking nerding out thinking about just all I have to do is lean backwards. And I would lean backwards a little. And then it was all you have to do is let your foot out. That's all it's going to take. And I sat like that from probably somewhere near 10 to somewhere near 11. And at some point, you know, uh, Sorry. At some point, um, a friend called me, um, and uh, he he called me, and it was it was much later than he normally would ever call. Um, and he asked me. He said, uh, "I answered the phone. I got off the balcony. I answered the phone, and he instantly went, What's wrong?'" And so <laughs> I. I just came out and told him everything. Um, and man, he instantly, you know, he, uh, he said, dude, fuck, I don't care. Why is, that's not important. Why does that matter? And I remember sitting there going, it doesn't matter. Maybe it doesn't matter. Um, and it, that, that was uh that was exactly um exactly what i needed to hear at the time um and uh i he listens he listens to the podcast so uh i it's the all, the only thing i could ever say to him is thank you um <laughs> just bring me tissues thank you dear um but uh yeah the uh the thirsty turtle out there and uh if it wasn't for him i i, I would not be here that cuz that was i had made that decision this is what i'm going to do and uh so yeah i told him and he was like dude i don't fucking care <laughs> and i remember him saying um are you attracted to me and i went no he goes dude why not <laughs> <laughs> and I went, you're not my type. And he goes, what, what do you mean I'm not your type? I, I, am I not, what, am I not good enough for you? <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was, he was the first person I told. Um, and so, yeah, um, after that, I think the next person I told was my mom, um, who had, spent some time with my ex-wife and I and I called her I was in Dallas airport uh flying back from Toronto um and I just basically said mom I'm, I'm unhappy she goes I know and I said well okay she goes what's wrong and I told her that uh, I've been cheating on my wife and she goes okay and I said it's bad she goes all right how bad is it I said um it's it's with a guy and she goes okay did he give you something? <laughs> I sat there for a minute and I was like, oh my God, she means an STD. No, 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 he didn't give me something. She goes, oh, okay. Did you give him something? Like, Mom! <laughs> like, no, no, I didn't. And she goes, well, then there's nothing wrong. 
And I remember thinking, that, what, there's nothing wrong? I'm having a minor breakdown in fucking Dulles Airport, of all places, um, and there's nothing wrong. And mm-hmm. she was, again, you know, I got to give my mom mad props. She's At the moment, that's was exactly what I needed. And then not a couple weeks later, I was with another colleague, and I told him. And he, he looked at me, and he was like, some of my best friends are gay. I went, dude, I'm not gay. I'm bisexual. He goes, nobody's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, it's, you know, it was those responses. It's those three people who I came out to in the very beginning are, you know, the best friend colleague the parent and the other colleague. I could not have painted a better, I'm so lucky to have those people that I chose to first come out to. And, you know, really the vast majority of the people that I came out to basically looked at me and was like, fuck, I don't care. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I think that's the thing with most of us, if it doesn't affect us directly, we don't fucking care about it. Um, you know, and so that was, I think that was exactly what I needed. I've been rambling on for like 20 minutes. <laughs> I apologize. You have a lot to say. Yeah, but how much of it is important? Um, so, yeah, those, those were those, um, that was that. That was coming out. And from mm-hmm. that point, I think that was that, I, I, after that, I started talking to my ex-wife and, you know, we had other problems. It wasn't just this. It wasn't just me being bisexual. It wasn't me cheating. It wasn't all of that or any, it wasn't just all of that. We had other problems. Um, but, and ultimately we couldn't work through them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then it started becoming sort of a game for me of coming out to people. And I remember coming out to you for the first time. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, the, the short version of this I don't know. Should we save this for an origin story? Because I feel like we need an origin story, much like an X-Man or... Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. Uh, you'll have to save the, wait the, for this until later. <laughs> when I came out to Mrs. Atom. <laughs> um, yeah, I actually had that in my notes. So, so we'll have an origin story where Mr. and Mrs. Atom meet and Clyde. Yeah. The cl- Adam yeah. in, in, the, in, in the Hadron <laughs> in Switzerland or CERN. We did that in CERN. Yeah. Um, you know, I still... Still to this day, I have a it is a constant struggle to accept myself, to look at myself and see value, um, to be confident and comfortable and happy in my own skin. Um, you know, that was part of the reason I got the tattoo, mm-hmm. you know, um, on my chest was, you know, this is something I want to look at. And I think happiness, you know, I've got serotonin tattooed on my arm. Again, it's that I'm trying to, I need that physical mental reminder of, you know, I have value what I have, you know, not of like what I have around me, like the people I know the people I have are valuable, mm-hmm. but to see that value within myself is still so extremely difficult. Um, and I honestly, I think it is a lot of it for me is sexuality. Mm -hmm. You know, I I see myself and I'm like, why can't you just settle on one thing? Or why can't you not like boys? Or why can't you not like girls? Why can't you just be, you know, normal? But it's hard to undo 30 years of training one way and hating yourself and being told that, you know, this is what you're supposed to be. It's hard to overcome that. That's a, yeah. Long time. Yeah. I mean, and I know you're right, but you know, it's still, it's, 
it's interesting because I find myself doing, you know, I get those, you know, those dark thoughts and it's impossible. It's a, again, it's that, it's that vicious spiral. You start spiraling down. You're like, Oh, I don't, I don't want to think this way. And I know right now, like I don't think this way, but you can't not think. It's like when I tell you, don't think about a pink elephant. Uh-huh. What do you think about? A purple polka dotted oh, elephant. Of course you do. So when you start <laughs> one down, in every room. <laughs> so when you start down that, spiral now, do you recognize that you're going into that spiral? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I see it and I'm like, I know what this is. This is a bad place, you know, and you, you mentally tell yourself this is a bad place. Um, and, you know, and i would be hundred percent honest, you know, it's like standing on a, on a corner waiting for the light to change, you know, and you see that bus coming and it's, I feel like it's gravity pulling me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there's been times where That's I'll, why I keep you on the leash. I know, right? <laughs> but there's times where I'll put my hand on the on the stoplight or the or the street sign pole, and I'll just close my eyes. And you just sort of close your eyes, and you try to find your center, and you try to find your balance. And I still feel that it's like a, a pull from my chest. It's pulling me there. That's mm-hmm. where it's going. Um, and it's I don't. You know, now I don't want it. I, don't, right. I think that right. I know that's not the solution. I know that's not a right idea. I know I, that I am, I am happy now, but I still feel that pull, and that's what really frightens me. Is that? And but I think it's a good scared. It's mm-hmm. a good kind of afraid. But I think once you feel that, once you have that, it's hard to get it away. It's hard to get away from it. Um, but the fact you, that you recognize it then means you can do something about it. Yeah. Know, at least you know yeah. how to handle it when it does happen. Yeah. Well, I'll never forget the first time I went to a therapist. It was great. Um, <laughs> say with great sarcasm. And we sit down, and she goes, okay, what do you want to tell me? And I'm like, and there's supposed to be, like, some flirting first or something. <laughs> You're supposed to say, hi. <laughs> Where are your credentials? Um, and I said, okay. I'm afraid that if I tell you something, you're going to say something that makes me not able to do my job. And if I can't do my job, I'll lose my job. And she looks at me and she goes, have you thought about or attempted suicide? And I said, define attempted. And she kind of laughed. She goes, that response right there tells me I'm not going to have you put away. And then I went, okay. And then I told her the whole thing. And she's like, yeah, you, you're okay. She's like, just keep a leash on it. Mm-hmm. Um, don't be stupid. Is what she, actually she did. I had a therapist tell me not to be stupid, which that's awesome. <laughs> I know. Right. That's what I needed. That's exactly yeah. what I needed. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's my origin story. I suppose it's, I feel like it's still going on. Um, you know, it's, we often talk about, you know, bisexual and, and bi erasure and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm extremely passionate about it mm-hmm. because of, of how, you know, I know how difficult it is. I know how difficult it can be. Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there who you know, wake up in the morning and they look at themselves and they see there is something flawed with me. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there is, it doesn't matter what you are. You can be straight, gay, lesbian, transgendered. You can be a a human with a monkey on your head. Um, There's nothing wrong with you. You, you have value. Um, You're important. There are people out there, whether you don't see it or not, who love you, who value you, who need you, who think that, you know, 
even if it's someone you don't even know, you know, you, the person that you get your coffee from, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're important. And you'd be amazed at how many people you impact that you may not even realize. Like you said, you know, the person you get your coffee from. And and there's often those people that are on the sidelines in your life that you don't even, maybe not even notice, but they notice you. Yeah. And, and it makes a difference. It can make a difference to them. And, it, and you may not see it. Hopefully at some point, you know, that person would say something to you. But you don't always, you're not always aware of everything that's going on with everyone around you. But... I, I do believe that we all make an impact on someone somewhere. Yeah, I agree completely. You know, so, you know, keep your eyes open and, yeah. you know, smile to people, be nice to one another and say thank you and hello. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not hard to be kind. Yeah. So that's where we came from, how we started. Thanks for hanging in and listening to that again. It was actually really interesting for me to listen to it because I don't think I have in a very, 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 very long time. Uh, And yeah, I cannot believe we talked so slowly in the very beginning. But at least by 31, we were starting to figure it out. So there's, you know, that's good. That's that's part of the journey. Yeah. And uh, next week, we'll kind of have a look back at... Our journey through kink, through E&M, through the podcast, and see what some of our major milestones have been, some pivot points for us, what really stands out, and, and how the journey has been for us, and where it might take us in the future. So thanks for hanging in there through our teaser episode of 399.5. Join us next week for number 400. And in the meantime, if you have questions, comments, or rude remarks, you can reach us by email at theatomsoflove at gmail.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook at By the By Podcast, or you can contact us on our website. It is www.bythebuy.com. Go to the contact page and you can send us a message that way. You can support us at any level on Patreon, patreon.com slash by the by podcast. And if you do that, then you will be whisked away into our Discord server and join lots of other great humans there. Lots of fun, lots of insights, good information. It's a great space. So come join us over there and we will see you next week. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 